delve into plant stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Myth or fact? Nightshade is a plant family full of poisonous, dangerous plants. Sounds a myth. They're actually full of common vegetables that we eat, like tomatoes and peppers and potatoes. But today we're talking about the deadly nightshade, Belladonna. And that brings us into today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, Belladonna <laughs> is definitely the, um, you know, most most well-known i would say of the nightshade family other than probably the mandrake um its official name is atropa belladonna um atropa comes from the greek fate atropis who's one of the three and she's the last one who snips the thread of life's tapestry for you to die like in hercules so but belladonna actually comes from when italian ladies used to put uh, belladonna in their eyes and on their cheeks so that they would have rosy cheeks and dilated pupils like to get high <laughs> <laughs> no it was like a beauty thing so you know belladonna is like beautiful woman mm-hmm. so it's like murderous beautiful woman so where are these beautiful dangerous women growing um, it's native to Europe and particular parts of Asia. Um, so pretty much most of Europe is kind of that temp- sub-temperate zone. Uh, and so they grow very well there. Um, it usually grows to about four feet or so as a shrub. Um, has seven inch kind of like curled oval leaves. And purple bell-shaped flowers. And then the berries, which are probably the most popular thing, you know, that get eaten or accidentally taken, uh, start out green and then fade from red into, like, a dark purple-black by the time they ripen in the fall. So is that, like, the most poisonous part of the plant, the deep purple ripe berries? No, the roots are actually the most deadly part of the plant. Um, You know, very little of the root would be required to really kill someone. Um, But the entire plant contains a dangerous amount of alkaloids that can kill people. Some of those alkaloids in like very, very diluted forms we've been known to use for medicine. But in the way that they appear in the plant um you know they often cause delirium and hallucinations and then once you know you get a certain volume of them in your body they basically stop all of your uh involuntary muscles from working ultimately killing you you know it slows your heart your lungs your gastrointestinal system blah 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 until essentially you are no longer living. Yeah. This sounds like it'd make for a really good weapon. Yep. Uh, 
there were people who used it as like the tips to poison arrows um the other interesting thing is that you actually can build up an immunity to this so you know a lot of times if you were an assassin or if you were specifically planning to poison someone you could take small amounts of it over time, you know, steadily increasing your dose to build up a tolerance. And then you could put a large enough amount in somebody's drink or whatever to ultimately, you know, kill them. But you could drink it and demonstrate that you would be fine. Um, so in that way, it became a more popular thing to use if you were trying to kill someone because did have the ability to do that and um you know it definitely made for some interesting assassination plots it was also used as like an anesthetic for surgeries um some components of it kind of were even used up until more recently uh using chemical warfare agents hmm. things like that so I feel like um, but, it's yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it it but you know, like the plant itself, I mean, even touching the plant um can cause pustules on the skin or you know, pretty severe irritation. Um and all of these symptoms, you know, even like the poisonings that we were talking about that assassins would use, part of the reason it's so successful is because the symptoms show up you know, within minutes. So, you know, this isn't something that like, if you started to not feel well or something like that, you could potentially, you know, hop off the bandwagon per se, or like get help. <laughs> it's right. the kind of thing where if you take enough of it at once, you know, you'll be dead within 10 minutes. That's you night luck, Peta. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that assassination thing also makes me think of the Princess Bride, where they sit down. Yeah, and I be- from both goblets. I believe they, yeah, they reference I think a different poison, but it's the same kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So, pretty crazy, pretty, pretty dangerous plant, and like you know, like you had mentioned earlier. Um, you know, it's part of a larger family of plants, the Solanaceae family. Um, and so, you know, some of the other plants in this family are dangerous, are known to be, even if they're not necessarily as potent as deadly nightshade, to at least be extremely intoxicating or, you know, have harmful substances in them. Um and some are not. Some are tomatoes. <laughs> Yum. Or possibly eggplants. Yum. Yeah. Getting me so. excited for gardening season. But yeah, and, you know, medications that have kind of these compounds in them are usually, uh, it's usually the compound atropine or scopolamine. And they're used to treat IBS, spastic colon, stomach ulcers, Parkinson's disease, motion sickness, pink eye. So, like, there are Very some nice. things in there that are kind of helpful, but 
I personally would not recommend taking, um, you know, deadly nightshade on your own. There are some like over the counter supplements and stuff like that. They're very diluted forms of nightshade, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend taking them unless you've consulted someone about it. And even then, I'm pretty sure it's not technically approved. Like, it's allowed to be sold, but it's not necessarily, like, FDA-approved nightshade. Deadly nightshade. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, Bella, Bella, try yours today. (laughs) All the new Don't commercials take too that many. Come out. Yeah. <laughs> Please take a Exactly. And even like, so atropine, they actually sometimes put in painkillers so that you won't get addicted to them because the it causes uh, heart palpitations and strange muscle spasms and sometimes even negative hallucinations. So um, they sometimes add that to drugs that might otherwise be like too good essentially to convince people to not become addicted to those drugs but yeah i mean it only takes about two to three berries to kill a child so uh, children have often been you know throughout history children have often been kind of the unfortunate curious ones to um come across these berries and you know, eat them and die because yeah, and quick doesn't take much. Yeah, for a full-grown human, it can be between ten to twenty, depending on exactly how ripe they are, and you know the the way they're ingested. Um, you know, putting they they have a sweet taste. The berries do. So, you know, you you might have them in wine and be like, oh, like this wine is a little bit sweeter than I thought. Right. And then you're like, oops. So that was also a way <laughs> that was also a way that, you know, like ancient or maybe not ancient, but, you know, testers. Yeah. You know, testers to kings and things like that would build up their immunity to it. And they would be able to taste it and say, oh, I can taste the sweetness. You know, so something something's up with this. I was looking up like stories that Belladonna has been used for uh, that we might classically know. And when I hadn't thought of on my own was Romeo and Juliet. Uh, so like people have tried to discern what kind of poison Shakespeare is referencing when he writes about them. And mm-hmm. so for uh, when Juliet takes something to fake her death, they believe that it was the Belladonna. But then, you know, it was something else for when they actually killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Typical symptoms of belladonna poisoning are usually um, headaches, convulsions, confusion, um, sensitivity to light is a big one because it really dilates your pupils, um, and even blurred vision that results from that. Um, I think that you, you would have to be very well versed to know 
exactly how much to take to like slow your whole body down enough that people would think you were dead but for you to not actually die I think that would be a really fine line (laughs) but you know Shakespeare does uh, allude to the use of you know Belladonna essentially in Macbeth which was modeled off of a real um, story when the Duncan, the first king of Scotland, you know, went to kill a whole group of Danes, he built up an immunity to the poison and then had them all drink Belladonna, which makes sense because it wouldn't note they wouldn't notice really in like a mead or a beer that that's what they were drinking. Because it's um, sweet, interesting, right? So, and when it it and. They allude to it as well, even in Hamlet, where they talk about, like, taking the sweet poison of death. I don't remember the specific line, but some of the words that they use suggested it might be, at the very least, a very similar type of poison to the same one, you know, mm-hmm. used in Macbeth. So Shakespeare knew some stuff yeah, about Deadly Nightshade that like he was that. only subtly sharing. <laughs> yeah. I might be an expert in poisons <laughs> but I feel like the, the sweet thing makes sense because in A Nightmare Before Christmas uh, Sally like puts nightshade in a soup but then she like worries about him noticing it and so she like uses like frog's breath to make it really stinky and so that makes sense because maybe he would have recognized that it was something really sweet in his soup and then he fell unconscious. He didn't die, but yeah, honestly, it's interesting because the most common side effect is really just like psychosis. Um, there's a story, kind of like in medical literature, of an elderly woman who showed up to a hospital every single fall for like a couple of years, experiencing these symptoms of psychosis, and doctors were like, "What is going on with this lady? Like, she comes in every year." And then finally, her daughter brought in, you know, like a large clipping of the shrub that was near her, growing everywhere near her home. And on the shrub were the berries. And they found out that she'd just been like casually snacking Mm -hmm. on these berries and somehow managed to avoid, you know, completely poisoning herself, but gave herself these terrible hallucinations for, you know, like a week that would then subside and then she'd go home. And then the same thing would just happen again when she went back to snack on those same berries. Cause every fall they would ripen to that, you know, kind of like very dark purpley black color that we know of. And she'd be like, Oh, these look great. <laughs> I'll have some of these. What a terrible problem. To have. Like every summer you're like, fall's coming soon. I'll lose my mind. <laughs> Every year. Well, it's funny because she didn't make the connection, you know. Yeah, that's what's like the most interesting about it. Yeah, I wouldn't think that my blueberries are making me insane. <laughs> She's like, nope, just have false psychosis, you know. You know how mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it's it's my version of seasonal depression. Yeah, but I mean, it's also you know references to what they think might be. Belladonna go back even farther than that. You know, in Chaucer's day, the plant was known as uh, dwell, which means delay or sleep. And so it's mentioned a few times in that literature. Um, 
Also, they surmise as possible in Homer's The Odyssey when Circe is giving drinks to Homer's, they're the, the fellow sailors um, who she turns into pigs. Uh, they think the drink she offered them might have contained Belladonna. Oh, and it made them go crazy. <laughs> well, you know, then she turns them into pigs and like brings them outside. So like, mm-hmm. you know, but <laughs> um, you know, so it it's definitely been on the collective consciousness for quite a long time. And, you know, you it's one of those things that I feel like is one of the kind of famous-ish, you know, poisons. Like, it's definitely something you've heard about if you've heard about poison, probably. Oh, for sure. I think one of the first times I heard about it was uh, in the movie Practical Magic. 1998 classic <laughs> uh where they're two witch sisters and they are like kidnapped by a crazy boyfriend and they're like put some belladonna in his drink it'll knock him out but then they put in a whole bunch and accidentally kill him <laughs> yeah it's okay well yeah, you think 10 out, small but... berries worth is not actually that much yeah that's true um, but it also you know it Interestingly enough, the plant has also long been associated with witches, especially in like the medieval times. Um, you know, it was a ingredient thought to be in witches' flying potion, um, and you know, used in their like sinister deeds and poisoning as they were you know, demon. I mean, witches have long been you know demonized and, and you know turned into that kind of person in in literature and things but belladonna definitely was one of those kinds of things thought to be in like a witch's repertoire book of herbs whatever you want to call it oh for sure i can think of a lot of angles one they probably are really good at recognizing it so they don't eat it (laughs) two it's a powerful tool nature is dangerous (laughs) and three it does have some medical properties and the whole causing hallucinations probably helps with the reputation of witches yeah well you know we know it was like a popular killer of kings and things like mm-hmm. that so oh yeah it was the way and it makes sense yeah. for like where they're growing all across europe that like we still have a lot of stories from that region so like that's probably why we see it so much yeah i would definitely agree with that mini tip my tip is um, don't touch this (laughs) if you if you really want to figure out if a plant is belladonna and again don't suggest it honestly anything with like really dark like purplish pink to black colored berries are usually like a no-go out in the wild I mean there's a couple of things like blackberries but most of the time it's just not it's whatever that is it's not what you want so if you don't know for sure don't touch it but if you really wanted to know more than likely if you touch it even if you touch the leaves or touch the berry if you just touch it and then step away for a couple minutes if you feel you know pustules burning 
whatever. That was poisonous. Don't touch it again. <laughs> so that's my suggestion, my tip for you. Um, you know, we are still in this series going to talk about some um, other plants in the same family. So, um, you know, there are things like henbane, which grows in temperate climates. And henbane literally just is like killer of hens. That's the hmm. name that it means because it was well known for killing a lot of livestock, you know. Uh, surprisingly enough, the deadly nightshade doesn't really kill livestock, which is why I think people became so much more susceptible to it. They're like, oh, my horse can eat that. <laughs> I can definitely eat that. It's not not the case. Um, and then there's other things like mandrake, which is a popular poison we'll talk about in our next episode. Um, and it, it's also native to Europe and like fields and sunny areas. It's also known as Satan's apple. I just liked that. So I felt I should include it right now. Um, oh, yeah. Jimson weed, which is also known as datura. Um, and it's native to Central America, so it's kind of like a similar thing, but on a different continent. Um, and, you know, we did say a little bit about how they're related to potatoes and tomatoes and eggplant. Um, and we are going to talk about that in our Potentially Dangerous Foods episode, which will also be coming up in this season, because for no other reason than I think it's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we did talk about pepper in one of our previous houseplant episodes as well and they are actually also a subset of this family so you know we're going to talk about things as separate plants but they are also related um, and yeah so that's what we have to look forward to so which one are we coming in our next episode Mandrakes. Mandrakes. All right. I'm excited. I already know what movies to reference. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on our first episode of the second season, Dangerous Plants. We look forward Dangerous. to you guys. <laughs> yeah, we didn't sing this time. <laughs> well, and we're sorry for any audio issues or less clarity this time we are now podcasting from separate homes to practice social distancing as we are supposed to do <laughs> yeah and neither of us had microphones that could plug into our computer better than our we headphones. were not currently prepared <laughs> so um you know stay safe we'll see you in our next episode see you later bye